are Locked On Cowboys, your daily Dallas Cowboys podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. It's another crossover edition of the Locked On Cowboys and Locked On Washington football team podcast. I am Marcus Mosier. Today, I am joined by the fantastic David Harrison. Uh, who also does a little bit of work for Locked On Bucks, but we're not going to talk about them today. We're talking about the NFC East, the Cowboys, and the Washington football team. David, how are you doing today, sir? Oh, I'm doing great, Mark. Looking forward to a great NFC East divisional matchup, the first of five for Washington. I think it's the first of five for both teams, actually, isn't it? Uh, Dallas has four, right? They've played okay. the Eagles and Giants, but they play just a bunch of division games yeah. coming up. So uh, you guys are going to see a lot of NFC East action here over the next month, but uh, David, let's let's talk about your Washington team because mm-hmm. Washington's playing really well, right? Four straight wins, I believe, a win over uh, your Tampa Bay Buccaneers that yep. beat my Raiders this weekend. Uh, so uh, tell us, what's been the key for Washington, you know, getting all these wins? Uh, running, running the football has been the key for uh, for Washington getting these wins. And you go back to that win uh, over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, their, their first win coming out of the bye. Nobody gave them a chance. Even, you know, Chris and myself on the Locks on Washington football team podcast, we even told the fans, like, listen, we, you know, we would all love for, for the Washington football team to pull this upset off. We just can't see it happening the way they were playing football heading into the bye. But they came out leaning on the run game. The defense had been getting uh, incrementally better, you know, even going into the bye week. And they kind of had like kind of a, a larger step uh, in that game specifically and then and that's really where you kind of see the emergence of them just leaning on the rush and as of right now uh, anytime taylor heineke throws 35 passes or fewer in a single game uh the washington only has one loss and that's at him as a starter uh mm-hmm. so not including that los angeles chargers game where he came in and relief of ryan fitzpatrick but in games where he throws more than 35 passes uh they have a losing record and that's where most of their losses come from now obviously some of that is anecdotal right because if you're right. trailing you're going to throw more but a lot of that when you look at the stats and how they translate on the field it's become the mantra of the team to rely on Antonio Gibson, JD McKissick when he is healthy. Uh, he missed last week. Hopefully he's going to be back this week. We'll, we'll kind of, I'm not, I'm not 100 confident that he'll be back, but we'll see what happens on that front. But even Jarrett Patterson, uh, and then they brought in some other running backs. You know, to, to kind of help out. If Washington's defense can keep the Dallas Cowboys from scoring, that's pretty much how they like to do: is keep the game a low-scoring affair, lean on the run, control the clock and minimize the damage either quarterback can do to Washington's chances of winning. Uh, I want to talk about Logan Thomas. So, mm-hmm. we, man, last week was rough. Um, yeah. we, we both watched that game. The Yannick Ngakwe play is just so unnecessary. And right. I know it's not necessarily a uh, – what do you want to call it? A, a play that he he's not supposed to make. It's just unnecessary, right? Like right. Ngakwe rolled right into Logan Thomas's knee, and now it sounds like he's out for the season, correct? Yeah, he just got put on IR Wednesday morning. It's yeah, it's tough because he is really a good player. He's really transformed himself into one of the better tight ends in the league. So, mm-hmm. my question for you is: Without Logan Thomas in the lineup, we know what Terry McLaurin is going to do. Who is the other guy that's going to help create some chunk plays in the passing game? So, Curtis Samuel's return has has shown some new wrinkles to the Washington offense. I expect them to come out with a few more uh, this weekend against the Dallas Cowboys as Curtis continues to get in and kind of into rhythm, we're seeing them allow Taylor Heineke to move a little bit more by design, not really doing a lot of run plays, but we have seen some run option plays. We have mm-hmm. seen, uh, there was a beautiful play action bootleg pass that they had with Taylor early uh, in the game against the Las Vegas Raiders. Would love to see 
more of that. And you kind of get the feeling that Scott Turner's trying to kind of roll this stuff out a little bit as it goes. But the return of Curtis Samuel really allows the Washington offense to do a lot more motion, a lot more misdirection. You see some play action uh, where they're running the ball, but they'll fake it to Curtis on a sweep or a jet, and then they'll give it you know, to JD or Antonio, whoever it is that ends up running with the football. And just little things that make the defense either hesitate for a second or anticipate something, and those always open the door to like a backdoor cut or a play yep. action later on down the line. And those are kind of the things that you want to see in this chess match uh, that is football and Scott Turner really kind of starting, I think, to to customize the offense a little bit to Taylor Heineke. I don't think he did that as much earlier in the season because I think there was just always this anticipation that eventually Ryan Fitzpatrick would come back. And while Fitzpatrick has uh, underrated athleticism, nobody's going to call him an athletic quarterback. He can move. You just don't want to make him move. You know what I mean? Right. Um, whereas Taylor, you can actually design some movement there uh, and, and actually play to his strengths a little bit because I think the more he thinks about the pass that he's throwing, the, that's where he actually tends to get in trouble. Uh, and then Ricky Seals-Jones, I mean, he's inside in that nobody outside of Washington really talks about, but got a lot of experience filling in when Logan Thomas was injured. Uh, at first was injured last week. Unfortunately, would have loved to see Logan Thomas and Ricky on the yeah. field at the same time. Rookie John Bates. Uh, the tight end from Boise State has actually done really well, and he's actually grown like right in front of our eyes almost weekly. You can see him getting better, especially as a receiving threat. So there are some players there uh, that help this offense be a little bit more dynamic. The big one to get back, though, this weekend will be J.D. McKissick if he does return. I did see that J.D. McKissick was uh, at least back on the practice field on Wednesday, so that's a good sign that he might be available. Uh, let's talk about Taylor Heineke because I think I know on this podcast we've called him – the most overqualified like backup quarterback in the league. Like he's too good to be a backup, but I'm not sure he's going to be a long-term franchise quarterback. So let me ask you, what are your thoughts on Taylor Heineke? Not for just this game, but going forward. Uh, you know, as a story, he's great. You, you love the guy. You love the story. You love the, 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 the determination, the grit, uh, not just from Taylor. I mean, there was a point he actually, and he, he talked about this earlier in the season, that he had given up. He, he was actually reaching out to Scott Turner to see if he could become a coaching intern or, get onto the coaching trail. And yeah, he was, he was ready to give up trying to achieve his dreams of being a starting NFL quarterback. It was actually his family. I think his sister and his brother-in-law down in Atlanta, he was sleeping on their couch and his brother-in-law used to wake him up and get him moving and say, no, get up, get off your butt. You're not going to sulk. You're not, you know, so when he went down to Atlanta and won that game for Washington, that was a huge uh, moment for him. So the story is beautiful. Um, but something that, you know, I got to interview uh, assistant running backs coach, Jennifer King for the Washington football team earlier this season. And she said something about, uh, Jared Patterson being more than a story. And I think that's that's so that's that's such a great thing to remember. And I think Taylor Heineke is the, the same thing. He's more than a great story because as great as the story is, he has grown in in so many different ways just this season alone. And, and a lot of people have pointed out he's basically a rookie coming in. His first regular season start was this season, week two, replacing Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, even as a 28, almost 29-year-old, you know, that's that's really kind of amazing thing to think about. But the development has been there. You just haven't seen enough yet to think that Taylor Heineke is the kind of quarterback that can carry a team. Now, that's okay if you don't need him to carry your team. That's really where Washington, I think, has to make some decisions. And I go back to Joe Flacco and the Baltimore Ravens, right? We always have this conversation over franchise quarterbacks. Well, Joe Flacco for the Baltimore Ravens for a good amount of years, five, six, seven years, was a franchise quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. Why? Because they won on defense and running the ball. They didn't need Joe Flacco to carry the day for them. Now, once they did, we kind of saw what happened there. And Taylor Heineke... Yeah, I got ugly there for a little bit. I don't think Taylor is the quarterback, and I'm not sure his ceiling ever gets to the point where he can be the quarterback, that, like the Russell Wilson type or Patrick Mahomes type, to carry a team into victory. But I think he could be a Joe Flacco type, not from a operational standpoint, but from yeah. the, the team role uh, mentality. 
And if Washington wants to push all their chips in on defense, continue to build the running game, you know, with the offensive line and, and their running backs and all that, then I think Taylor Heineke is a quarterback that they could potentially roll into 2022 with if he continues what we've seen. Now, if he goes back to, you know, throwing incredibly dangerous passes and multiple interceptions a game uh, here through the, the last stretch when the pressure is on against the NFC East, that picture is going to change a little bit. But really, it's just what does Ron Rivera want this team to be? And yep. can Taylor Heineke fit that role? It's not a perfect comparison, but like Case Keenum when he was with Minnesota, right? Like somebody who can get you to the playoffs and win you games if everything else is really good, I think. Right. I do think that's possible. All right, last question for you before we we switch this around. Mm -hmm. The defense. um, With Chase Young and Montez Sweat, they really struggled. Now that they're both out, they're playing well. Now I know it's not because of those guys because those two guys are really good, but what's changed since those guys have kind of left the lineup? Honestly, it's playing within the defense. You know, Jack Del Rio mentioned it. Jack is a guy that doesn't want to give, you know, you mentioned uh, uh, the Raiders and, and all that. So, so Raiders fans know that Raiders media know Jack's not going to give you anything he doesn't have to give you. So he doesn't really come out with it a whole lot. But he did mention players not playing their assignments, kind of getting getting outside of their lanes and trying to do a little bit too much to be the guy to make the play. And head coach Ron Rivera has a great saying that I absolutely love hearing. And that is that the play doesn't care who makes it, right? So like a touchdown pass doesn't care if it's Amari Cooper or if it's six-round draft pick that you've never heard of catching the football for the Dallas Cowboys. The play just needs to be made. For the Washington football team, they had so many young potential playmakers on the team that wanted to be the guy. They wanted to be the hero. They wanted to make the play to spark their team. And that's a great mentality to have, great motivation to have. But sometimes that causes you to do things off script that cause the rest of the things that happen around you to break down. And that's what we were seeing a little bit with Montez Sweat and Chase Young. I think more with Chase Young than Montez. Chase just trying to live up to that billing, live up to the hype and everything. Maybe just trying to do a little bit too much, setting up an outside rush when he's got an inside fill, and then he he, he doesn't get doesn't get back in time, uh, and and the ball carrier gets loose. Things like that with Casey Tuhill uh, and Shaka Tony and James Smith Williams filling in defensive end positions. What you see is two edge or three edge setters really kind of in tandem. Really, Tuhill and, and Shaka Tony that. If my job is to set the edge, I'm going to set the edge. If my job is to push the running back back into the line of scrimmage, I'm going to do that. And they don't go out there and really freelance a whole lot. So while they don't have necessarily the athletic talent and, and the ceiling that those guys have in, in Montez and Chase, they're just doing their job and playing within the defense and trusting the guys around them to also do that. And that, I think, is a big part of why this defense has gotten better. And the hope is that as they're having to watch, that they're kind of seeing that you can be a playmaker without necessarily making the highlight play and really help your team be a lot better. Montez Sweat, we were hoping to get him back this week. It looked like he was on track to come face the Dallas Cowboys, which would have been huge. Uh, but as of Wednesday morning, he's been put on the COVID-19 reserve list, and now he's going to be out for 10 days. De- defense has been really good lately. 17 points to Denver, 19 points to Tampa Bay, 15 to Seattle, 15 to the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah. The Cowboys are going to have their hands full in this matchup for sure. Are you ready to try the best tasting protein bar ever? Look no further than Built Bar. Built Bars are soft, easy to chew, covered in 100% chocolate, and they are great for the health conscious guy or gal. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat with a low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber option with Built Bar. They have 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors, and six delicious new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, my favorite, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. They've got a flavor for whatever you might be craving. 
Right now, Built Bar is offering our listeners 20% off of your next order using promo code Locked On. Go check out BuiltBar.com, promo code Locked On, for 20% off your next order. Start off this new year right, and let's go ahead and get fit together. And what better way to do so than indulging in a delicious and healthy treat? BuiltBar.com, promo code Locked On. Wanted to tell you guys about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, MLB, and NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV with real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you have to do is use the promo code LOCKEDON. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, let's go ahead and flip this around. Uh, let's have you ask me some questions about the Dallas Cowboys uh, who have been a little up and down themselves o- over the last, I don't know, two months. So yeah. uh, what you got for me, David? Uh, well, I want to start in the same place that we started with a lot of conversations. That's quarterback. I mean, most important position on the field, and you guys have Dak Prescott, and it's it's kind of a weird dynamic, man. I'm I'm I always tell our my audiences both on Locked On Washington and Locked On Bucks, and I'm a football fan before I'm a fan of any mm-hmm. any one team, and I'm more of a people fan than anything. Uh, I love Dak Prescott's again, his kind of his story of being undersold, and it kind of reminds me of Russell Wilson a little bit of you know, well, he's this and he's that, and he can't, and, and people kind of forget the heart uh, and the leadership and the lion that it takes to win football games. So coming out of the NFL draft, I was much higher on Dak than a lot of people were. As we've gone on, though, people have gotten higher on Dak in the NFL than I am. I don't think Dak is this revolutionary franchise-leading quarterback that honestly, not I don't, I don't want to say deserves the money he's getting from a like personal standpoint, but from a team construction standpoint, what uh, a cap hit like, like that dedicated to one position does to building uh, the rest of your team. Am I wrong there? Am I right there? What is what is Dak Ben? Because I go back to last season when he got injured and we said, oh, you know, derailed the entire Cowboys season. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. The Dallas Cowboys weren't doing all that well from a win loss perspective. When he got hurt in the first place, you see the team win five in a row after losing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And everybody says this is the Dak Prescott Dallas Cowboys we expected. But now they've lost uh, three of the last five. I think health obviously has something to go into that. So what's been going in with this kind of like Jekyll and Hyde type of situation with the Cowboys of of dominating early in the season now kind of, I don't say struggling, but, you know, uh, two and three in your last five games, obviously you're not dominating anymore. Yeah, so we could turn this into like an hour discussion. Yeah. Because <laughs> on deck. So uh, I always look at things from a quarterback perspective. When quarterbacks are struggling, are there, is there a reason for their struggles or is it an excuse? Because if you're looking for excuses, well, Dak had a calf injury, Amari Cooper missed two games, and even last week when he was back, he wasn't healthy. C.D. Lamb missed a game and a half because of a concussion. I I think those are all legitimate excuses, right, and reasons why he's struggling. But I think Dak would tell you he's just not seeing things as clearly as he did early in the season. They've had a lot of turnover on their offensive line. They've had a lot of guys in and out of the lineup. Uh, There just hasn't been really any continuity at all. And when you play three games in 12 days like they did – you're not, you can't really solve a lot. So the hope is that with this 10 day break, you know, they last played on Thursday, they can kind of get things solved. They're going to have their full starting offense for the first time this season. Uh, you know, when I say starting offense, I mean, Amari Cooper is going to play as many snaps as he usually would. I, I think, I think he's going to play well. Um, 
but yeah, I, I think he's been a little bit off and I, I just don't think he's seeing things as clearly as he did early on in the year. And uh, it's something to be a little bit concerned about, but I'm not, I don't think it's going to derail their season. Yeah. I don't think when I watch Dak, you know, I, I don't think he's off as off as Russell Wilson has been uh, as of late. I know they just got a big win over the 49ers, but kind of leading up to that game and what we saw against Washington, mm-hmm. a verily very inconsistent quarterback now, right now in, in Russell Wilson. I don't see that level of disconnect in, in Dak Prescott, obviously well, you just kind of, and this is what I would say, David, really quickly. Just like he's still completing a high percent of his of his passes. And if right. you go watch the like the tape, he's pretty accurate. Like he's not missing throws. What he's missing is instead of throwing a three yard out to Cedric Wilson on third and four, Amari Cooper's wide open down the field for a 40 yard play. Yeah. It's those type of plays that he's missing and not seeing. And I think that's been the difference because early in the year, he was hitting on every single one of them. I think that's what the Cowboys offense is missing right now. And this is going to be one of those weeks earlier in the season, Washington fans and, and media, like we were all kind of, it was kind of like a woe is me type of situation week in, week out, because it just seemed like whatever was ailing a certain team, they would face the Washington football team and all of the things would get better. Josh Allen looked like an MVP candidate uh, again with the mm-hmm. Buffalo Bills the week they faced Washington and then really hasn't looked uh, up to that par, really, since since that game. So this could be that situation. The Watch football team has been susceptible to deep passes uh, being completed against him. William Jackson has been kind of hot and cold. Sometimes he's great in coverage. Sometimes he's he's just mugging guys and, and drawing flags left and right. Do you expect this to be a game where Dak does challenge down the field more against this, this defensive secondary? And uh, I know you said that the entire starting offense is going to be playing for the first time really this season, so that's obviously good news towards the health. But how healthy are those receivers really? Because I know that's had a big impact as well. Yeah, this is as healthy as they've been all season. Uh, Amari did play last week against the Saints, uh, but he was not in shape at all after coming off the COVID list. Sounds like he's ready to go. Uh, Michael Gallup had a calf injury, still kind of working his way back from that. He's good to go. He's not on the injury report this week. And then CeeDee Lamb, I uh, was dealing with a couple things, including concussion. He's ready to go. So I do think the Cowboys are going to challenge Washington deep uh, because they have their full offensive line. I think Prescott's going to feel comfortable, mm-hmm. you know, taking the time to set up and throw the ball down the field. Uh, it should be a game in which Dallas tries to attack Washington because, as you mentioned, that's where you can kind of get them. And we've seen some coverage breaks, you know, in busts from Washington this year. Right. I think the Cowboys would be wise to attack them early and often down the field. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's the approach I would take. If I was the Dallas Cowboys facing the defense, that's the approach I would take. And if you're successful in doing so, you're going to potentially put up some points and put pressure on quarterback Taylor Heineke. And I kind of want to flip a similar question onto you. Um, close to the team, you know how this goes. Closer to the team, you always kind of have a little bit of a, of a different insight or different view of what's going on uh, around the logo, around the brand. What's it look like from the outside with Taylor Heineke and the Washington football team? I mean, is there, you know, the, we have the Heineke hive here in the DMV and, and amongst the Washington fans. Um, is there this belief? I mean, we were in the in the locked on NFL DM there on Twitter, mm-hmm. and I mean, there were some guys saying that they would rather take t- Taylor over their you know specific quarterback right now. I don't think Dak is in that conversation, yeah. but there were some surprises. I'm not going to out anybody for you know for their. I think you should. That would be great if you did. <laughs> <laughs> but there were some hosts where I was like, "You're you would give up your guy for for Taylor right now?" And I was a little bit surprised by some of that. What is what is the outside view of Taylor Heineke right now? Yeah, I, I think Heineke is somebody who can put together some long drives, and I think. Mm-hmm. Two or three times a game, you're going to be just stunned at some of the plays that he can make and getting out of pressure and you know connecting on some you know wild throws. But I think, and we saw it even last week against the Raiders. Like you're going to have your chances to pick him off. And I think back to the final drive of the game. I mean, you got to give credit mm-hmm. to Taylor Heineke for getting Washington down there 
in field goal range to win it. Yeah. But Trevon Merrick, the rookie oh. safety for the Raiders, had the game in his hands. He, yeah. Heineke just threw a bad ball and he dropped it. So he's going to give you some chances. You've got to take advantage of it if you're the Cowboys. But if you just let him sit back there and get comfortable, I do think he's certainly talented enough to, to make enough plays to win this game. Yeah, Trevon Merrick, one of my favorite guys coming out of the draft. I think I think he had visions of that ball sitting on his mantle yeah. a little oh. too soon. I, he's um, got to be sick. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, final question, uh, Marcus. Looking at the defensive side of the ball, I think that's really where Dallas's problems, you know, from a consistency standpoint, I've mm-hmm. uh, kind of bet 14th against the rush. So a lot of people say that and say, oh, well, Washington might have their hands full, but they're 24th per run play in in the NFL, giving up four and a half yards almost per carry. So it seems a little bit like there's a, a disparity there. People just not running, maybe as much against the Dallas Cowboys, right. as much as they're having success on a per-run basis. Fully expect Washington to come out and, and run the ball here. How do you feel about them stopping Antonio Gibson? A little bit bigger than the people I think maybe give him credit for, but not exactly a bruiser. Like He's not going to bring back you know memories of Josh Jacobs with the New York Giants or anything, uh, but a little bit harder of a runner than a lot of people give him. How do you feel about those defense facing the Washington offense? Because I feel like this is a race to 20. I feel like the first team to hit 20 is going to win this yeah. game. If neither team hits 20, Kind of like what's been happening in the last few games for Washington. The closest to it is going to win. Uh, Dallas should know Antonio Gibson very well because Mm -hmm. he torched them on Thanksgiving (laughs) last year. I mean, he just had a monster game. I really think that was the, you know, the coming out party for Antonio Gibson. So uh, it's not surprising, though, that both teams' best running back is from Memphis. Just just throwing Mm -hmm. that out there. Uh, I, I do think you can run on Dallas. I think that's one thing that the Cowboys will concede because they don't want to give up big plays in the passing game. They'll they're fine with teams trying to put together 12 and 13 play drives because they believe ultimately when you get to the red zone, they're going to make stops. And if you're kicking field goals, that's a recipe for success for Dallas because they're going to be scoring touchdowns on the other end. At least they have been before the last month or so, but uh, I, I do think Washington will have success. I will say this about the Cowboys defense. They've never been healthier going into this game. It's the first time all year. They're going to have Demarcus Lawrence, Randy Gregory, and DeVille Gallimore on their defensive line. And why that's so important is, number one, those guys are really good. Demarcus Lawrence is a Pro Bowl caliber player every time he plays. And number two, that allows Michael Parsons to go back to an off-the-ball linebacker role, which could help stop the run and can help be a little bit more disruptive in the middle of the field. So the Cowboys are healthy. I expect them with 10 days off to look fresh, to, to play well in this game. And I do agree with you. I think it's going to be a little bit of a struggle for both offenses in this game. And if you can score 21, 24 points, you'll probably win. Absolutely, Marcus. Either way, I think it's going to be a good game. And uh, we're going to learn a lot about what's going to happen in the NFC here, in the NFC East here pretty soon. I mean, I think for the 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 fan of late season theatrics, everybody wants Washington to win because you come within a game of the NFC yeah. East title. Each of them goes out, plays another game. I know Washington's got Philly. And then they yep. come back and potentially come back uh, the, the next week after that for a title title match. I mean, it's not going to clinch anything necessarily, but potentially all the chips on the line. Dallas Cowboys, a watch football team. I don't know if football gets any better. Marcus, I appreciate your time. Appreciate the conversation. Look forward to doing it again very soon. Good luck this weekend. Absolutely, David. We'll see you in just a couple of weeks. Yes, sir.